Hey, this is Stephen, and I want to welcome you or welcome you back to the Grove Church Podcast. For more information or to find more resources like this one, be sure to visit us at grove.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope the following message is encouraging and meaningful to your life. So my family and I have this delightful habit of traveling over the New Year's almost every year since I can remember. And of course, this year was a little different. There was no trip, no traveling. So we decided to look through the pictures of all the other trips that we had taken. And a few popped out at me this time this year. There was a trip that we took a few years ago, and we went to Ecuador. And I love going to holidays in new countries because I think you really learn a lot about people and about culture, about how they celebrate the holidays. So as soon as we landed, I started to look around for signs, signs of weird traditions or things that were unusual. And sure enough, as soon as we started driving down the streets of Quito, we started to see all of these pinata-looking things. They're like paper mache oversized dolls. Some of them even looked like scarecrows. Some of them looked like cartoons. They were all different. And they were hanging everywhere. There were shops that had them, like, hanging out of their awnings, but they were also hanging off the tops of buildings and off patios. Some people had strapped them to the front of the hood of their car. Buses had done the same on their vent. And I looked around, and I started to think, what are these little pinatas? Well, luckily, we soon learned that it turns out in Ecuador, making these little piñatas, they call them año viejos, or past year, is a tradition for the new year. Every family, every organization, almost every company makes their own año viejo. And then as the new year approaches, they take that año viejo and they do what humans do. They light it on fire. And usually, because it's New Year's and there's alcohol involved, they also decided to put it on the floor, and then you jump over the Año Nuevo, Año Viejo, to get to the Año Nuevo, the new year. And as I thought about that tradition, which is so fun to participate in and to do, I thought, man, there are a lot of people who could benefit from this Ecuadorian tradition this year. There are a lot of people who would gleefully put together their own paper mache cartoon of the last year of 2020 and then gleefully take a lighter in one hand and a gallon of kerosene in the other and burn that thing down. It felt good to say goodbye to 2020, didn't it? There was something in us that made it feel so celebratory. Even those of us who don't usually stay up till midnight on New Year's Eve, Stayed up till midnight on New Year's Eve because it felt so celebratory to kick out, to burn up, to jump over the new year. But then, but then January 1st came. Then the new year actually arrived. And as good as it felt to kick out 2020, I don't know about you, but when I got to 2021, I felt a little less certain than I expected, had a little less courage than I anticipated. You see, if you had asked me in March, what would it be like? 
when things finally started to get back to normal? What would it be like when we saw the light at the end of the tunnel? What would it be like when we had news of a vaccine? I would have told you that I would have been first in line to get things back to the way they were. I would have told you that when we saw the light at the end of the tunnel, I would have been the one sprinting towards the exit. But when we got here, when I got here, I found it was a little bit more complicated than I thought. Our hospitals in Dallas are still running out of beds. I am still waiting to see if the shops and the restaurants that I love will reopen, if they'll survive, if the economy will stay strong, if the friends that I have, if they'll get their jobs back. I start and take my kids to school tomorrow. And I know, just like every parent out there, that we're a ticking time bomb. And there's a chance that the COVID spike that was over Christmas will manifest and our school will be closed again. You see, everything still feels on edge. Everything still feels uncertain. In March, if you had asked me how I would feel when 2021 came, I would have told you that I would have whipped out that goal planner that I never used from 2020, and I would, have, I would write everything down with gusto. I would set a reading plan and a fitness goal and all these things I normally do. I would be bold walking in to 2021. But as we stand here, we're still uncertain. We still know what 2020 did to us. You see, that's the thing. I underestimated how much 2020 would change me. We underestimated how much 2020 would change us. How much living through the unexpected would scramble our sense of expectation, our sense of control, and our sense of courage. So what do we do now? What do we do now as we face this new an unusual year, shook from the previous year, and almost too hesitant, too scared to walk in to the next one. Well, today, we're going to look at a story in scripture, a story about a people who, too, were disillusioned by disappointment, who saw a hopeful future in front of them and still were fearful still were a little bit scared and a little bit uncertain to walk forward into that future. So will you join me? We're in Joshua 1, and I'll give you a little bit of a refresher. So Joshua is the last book, or the first book, rather, after the Torah. So the Torah is the first five books of the Bible. And in the Torah, there's this great story told, right? It's a story of the Israelites who were a people chosen by God. And God made a covenant with Abraham, their ancestor, and said, I will make your people and all of your descendants my people. And those descendants of Abraham eventually fell into slavery, and so God chose Moses, his messenger, to go rescue them out of Egypt. And those Israelites got rescued out of Egypt, and God made a second covenant with them, reaffirming their first. And as God was forming this covenant, 
those people, the Israelites, disobeyed. They disobeyed God, and God, in turn, made the path to the promised land a lot longer than it needed to be. And they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years before they reached the promised land. And over that 40 years, a lot happened. Scripture tells us that a whole generation died. And then the unthinkable happens. Just as they're about to get to the promised land, their leader, Moses, he dies. You can imagine how the Israelites felt. They had lived through this season that never seemed to end, the season with bouts and bouts of disappointment, the season where they had made plans, and those plans had been completely obliterated. And so as they stood on the edge of the promised land, as they looked out into what was supposed to be a hopeful future, they didn't feel as bold as they thought they would leaving Egypt. They didn't feel as certain. They felt scared and doubtful. And God, he chooses a new leader, Joshua. And you can imagine how as the leader of these people, Joshua felt too. He too was uncertain. He too had faced all of this disappointment. He too thought Moses would lead them into the promised land. But then years kept passing. Decades kept passing. People kept dying. And he, he too gets to the edge of promised land and wonders if he has the courage to go forward. And that's where Joshua 1 starts, and that's where we are today. And we'll start with verse 2. You see, God is speaking to Joshua. He's giving him instruction about how to go into the promised land. And God says, Moses, my servant is dead. So now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river Euphrates to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. Now, at first glance, this first part of the speech can appear like this glorious pep talk, like God telling Joshua and therefore telling the Israelites, just be strong, be courageous. That's all you need to do. But I think if we dig a little bit deeper, we can see that there's a hidden message under this based on the words that God uses. You see, that very last command that God gives Joshua is be strong and courageous. And that word, strong, in English it doesn't translate as well. It, it almost would be better to say strengthen yourselves. Because that word strong, it actually it means to make stronger, to make something stronger, to reinforce it, to strengthen it. And if you take it all the way down to the root, it actually means to fasten, to tether, to tie together, to bind. You see, God isn't telling Joshua, be strong and courageous. 
rely on your own strength. He says, no, no, no. I'm telling you to strengthen yourselves by what I'm about to tell you. And that's where the second part of that command is important. See, the second part of that command says, be strong and courageous because, because. This is the thing you need to tether yourself to because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. In other words, guys, courage, strength, this thing that you need in order to walk into your future, you're looking in the wrong place. You're trying to walk unbound, untethered to something greater. And so God reminds them in this first part of the speech, he says, tether yourself to something that will stand. And God's first offering of this thing to stand on is God's promises. And surely they were good things to stand on. God in this passage to Joshua is saying, look, don't you remember? I promised that I would bring you to the promised land. I promised that to Abraham and look, you are here. And I promised again to Moses that I would bring you to the promise. And look, you are here. My promises never fail. My promises are worth trusting in. Tether yourself to those promises, and you can have courage to walk into the promised land. But those, those promises weren't enough for the Israelites. They weren't enough, and God knew this, and so he continues his speech, and he gives the same command, but he gives it more forcefully, and he says, be very strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it then you will be prosperous and successful. So you see God returns a second time, and he says, okay, if you don't feel confident enough to tether yourself to my promises, if you don't trust them enough, then, then my law, tether yourself to my law. And when we think about our version of law, that can sound a little odd. I mean, when we think of law, we think of literal rules written down in a book that you have to follow or you get punished, and if you follow them, you get rewarded. But that, that isn't exactly what's happening here. You see, the law was, in fact, yes, a set of laws, 613 to be example, that were commands to the Israelite people. But what God is talking about here is more their symbolic value, what they meant to the people. You see, when God gave the Israelites these laws, the law, it was the explicit purpose that if the Israelites followed these laws, then they could be the representatives of God to the rest of the world. You see, these laws were put in place, and if the Israelites followed them, then they could show God's character to the rest of the world. They could be God in human form if they followed these laws. That was God's plan all along. He had literally given them a detailed game plan about how to act and how to be, how to resemble and reciprocate his understanding of the world to everyone else. So when God said, tether yourself, fasten yourself, gain strength from the law, Meditate on it day and night. What he meant is that 
tether yourself to my character, the character I've given to you through the law. I've literally showed you how to be like me. That, that surely should make you courageous and strong. Surely that was enough for the Israelites to walk boldly into the promised land. But maybe not surprisingly, it wasn't enough. It isn't enough for the Israelites. You see, the promises of God, the laws of God, they are the words of God. And the Israelites had been through enough, had seen enough to become distrustful of these words. You see, when the promises didn't turn out exactly as they thought it would, when they followed the law and they didn't get rescued quick enough or the the path wasn't easy enough, then they started to doubt the words themselves. They started to treat the words just like we treat human words, with a giant grain of salt. You see, words are intangible. They're hard for us to hold on to. They're hard to make sense of, and it's very easy for us as humans to misconstrue them, to change them, so they support our desires and wants. That's literally the story of the serpent in the garden with Adam and Eve. The serpent says, oh, God, God didn't mean that. Those words that God gave you, it's not exactly what they mean. And Adam and Eve, of course, thinking they know better, believed the serpent. You see, we've been devaluing God's words from the beginning in the same ways that we devalue our words to each other. They just aren't enough to stand on. And maybe in 2020, we've seen that devaluing even more. We're starting to distrust even more. We've seen how someone can take the same words and pull out two different meanings that support their views so easily. You see, when we take that view to the word of God, to the promises of God, how are we supposed to trust the words of God? It is a mistake, of course, to assume that the words of God are the same as words of humans. But after suffering, after disappointment, it's really hard not to conflate the two. And beautifully, masterfully, God knows this about us. God's always known this about us. And so he offers one last command to Joshua. He says, have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. And do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will go with you wherever you go. That phrase, that reminder of God's presence, it's relatively common in Scripture. You see, God said it to Moses as he was about to embark on his rescue journey to Egypt. Moses says it to the Israelites as he bids farewell to them before his death. Joshua, or God says it to Joshua here. Isaiah says it to the Israelites when they're in exile in Babylon. And finally, Jesus says it to its followers before he ascends to heaven. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. 
You see, words, words are not enough for us, even when we trust their source. Words are too intangible. They're too hard for us to hold on to. You see, words since the beginning of time have meant very little to humans, even the words of our God. And God understood that. He's always understood that. And so he offered the one thing that would make us feel better, the one thing that we could tether ourselves to, to have courage. He says, I offer my very presence. I offer my very self to you. The Lord your God will be with you. Wherever you go, I will neither leave you nor forsake you. You will never be alone. You see, when we're standing on the edge of an uncertain year, when disappointment has come after disappointment, when plans have been postponed and canceled time and time again, when we start to distrust ourselves and the circumstances that we're in, God reminds us, your courage never came from yourself. It never came from that gusto that you approach every new year. It never came from your goal setting. It never came from you conquering 2021. Your courage always came from me because I am the only thing that is certain in this world. And if you cannot tether yourself, if you cannot trust the words that I'm giving to you, then trust in this, that my presence will be and always has been with you. And God took this promise so seriously that he decided that his presence needed to be more known and he made himself into human form so that he could dwell and be among us, that his presence could show us exactly what it looked like to be a representative of God on earth. Today you might ask, well, great, (laughs) but what does the presence of God look like in my life? It's not like God is talking to me like he's talking to Joshua. It's not like there are clouds or pillars of fire or clouds of glory like there were for the Israelites. What do we experience the presence of God as? How do we even know God is here? How do we draw courage for something that we fear we cannot experience? But the reality is you have experienced the presence of God. You have experienced God. You see, the presence of God that is active and working in the world today, that's active and working in each and every one of us, is something that Jesus gave us when he ascended into heaven. We call it the Holy Spirit. And we believe that the Holy Spirit is the very presence of God in us. And so how do you know that it's working? How do you know that it's active in your life? Well, you have. You have experienced it. It's that calm that you've experienced that's beyond understanding. It's that feeling, that intuition or that conscience that you get when you pick up the phone and call a friend that you've been thinking about. The Holy Spirit is active and working in your lives, and I know this, and you know this, 
Because that Holy Spirit, that is what got you through the last year. That is what gave you strength and courage when you could not face another week ahead. When grief and loss and disappointment felt everywhere, when you felt exhausted by making plans and having them canceled. That presence in you, whether you recognize it or not, that is what gives you the strength to move forward. And that, that will give you the courage to face 2021. I'm gonna end our time in prayer and then we'll say a blessing over each other. But let me offer you this. I hope that you move forward from 2020 with gleefulness and joy of having conquered this year. But more than anything, I hope that you recognize the spirit and the force in you that gave you the courage to recognize and appreciate the things that you had that made you so grateful for what you had been given, that gave you the endurance to be able to push forward. That, that was God working and living in you, just as he promised years and years ago. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, Thank you for giving us the strength to get past this last year. Thank you for allowing us to endure past disappointment, past disillusionment, to move forward. And we pray for the wisdom and insight to know that that spirit still exists in us as we move forward into 2021. Allow us to tether ourselves to you so that we may walk boldly and firmly and with courage into our very own promised land. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you live in the Dallas area, we would love for you to visit us. For directions, service times, and more info, visit us at grove.org.